Hey guys, sorry if I sound a little nasally today. I'm getting over a cold. I think it's flu season, so if you haven't already, get your flu shots. Another thing I wanted to ask is that if you haven't already rated and reviewed the podcast, I would absolutely love if you can rate or review it in the Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcast app. Without further ado, wanted to introduce this episode today. Uh, this week's episode of Pretty Much Done is with Alana Dunn, who is the host of the Seeing Other People podcast. Like me, Alana used to work for a dating app, Hinge. In this episode, we talk about how she had to keep a situationship with a man she worked with a secret, getting through that heartbreak, and also what happened when she was let go from her job. Spoiler alert, Alana's in a happy and healthy relationship today and doing what she loves helping people date with her podcast. I think there's so much to relate to on this episode, and I hope you enjoy. Here's Alana. Well, hey guys, welcome to Pretty Much Done. I am so excited about today's guest. She is the host of the Seeing Other People podcast. She's also an ex-match group employee, just like I am. She was at Hinge and I was at Tinder. Alana Dunn, I'm so excited to have you on the pod. Welcome to Pretty Much Done. Thank you, Julia. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I feel like all of your episodes have had either such amazing guests or have had such amazing stories being shared that like it's really so awesome to be a part of this. Thank you. Well, I'm excited to have someone like you on because I know that we're not just going to talk about your dating disasters and relationships. We're also going to talk about the breakup that you had at Hinge and how that kind of led you to better opportunities. So I'm excited to dive into that a little bit later. But First, obviously, being a relationship podcast girl myself, I wanted to talk to you about where the kind of passion for love and dating came from. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So like many other people in the dating space, I definitely did not set out to work in dating. I feel like we all kind of found ourselves here. For me, I actually was working in the music industry for a while. And that was really like where my heart was. I never imagined I would want to leave music. I really saw myself just like climbing to the top and sitting pretty and staying there forever. But while this was going on, I was going through, you know, dating in my 20s, post-grad, experiencing the ups and downs of that. And I ended up in a really horrible relationship experience, which I'm sure we'll talk about at length a little more down the episode, but it really broke me, to say the least. And at the same time, I wasn't finding the joy working in music that I thought I would. So I'm having a not great experience at my job in my career path. I'm having a not terrible experience in my dating life, my relationships. And the guy that I was dating, it was also tied to music. Like He was in a band and I was managing the band. And so I basically had this feeling of like, I need to get as far away from the music industry as possible. And backing up, the reason I wanted to work in music was because I wanted to help people. Music had helped me through so much in my childhood, specifically my love for the Jonas Brothers. And I wanted to help other people feel as connected to their favorite artists and bands as I felt to the Jonas Brothers. So that's really why I got into music. And I just learned over these few years that I was not going to be helping people for a very long time, if ever. And I was seeing my coworkers who were 10 years older than me still feeling like what they were doing was pointless and was useless. And I just did not want to feel like that. And so between all of this, I decided like I need to get out. And I was applying to jobs for a very long time and did not know what I wanted to do. Because again, I thought I had it all figured out. 
And the whole time, my cousin, who was working for Fuck Jerry at the time, the like meme company, mm-hmm. they were partnering with Hinge. And for months, my cousin was saying, Oh, and I wish the Hinge marketing team was hiring. I wish they were hiring. You would fit in with them so well. It would be the perfect job for you. But they were not hiring. And one day I woke up and I got like a Google message from him being like, Oh, I want to look at this job posting that they just posted. And it was the perfect job for me. It was using all of my skills that I was using in music, just applying it to dating. And my thought was, wow, if I could help even one person not end up in the same situation that I'm in right now or not end up feeling as broken because of their dating life, that would be the most worth it thing in the world. And so I applied for the job. I got the job and that changed everything. Yeah, I feel the same way. I, fe- I felt like when I was interviewing at Tinder, it was like, listen, I'm an early adopter of the platform. I don't know any other way to date other than dating apps. So like, I am yeah. your person. I'm your target demo. Like, get me this job. Exactly. So I'm, I'm, I can totally relate to that. Going back to your time with your ex-boyfriend being the person who managed the band, working together. First of all, tell me, how that relationship started and the trajectory of it a little bit more. Okay, so it was two guys in the band and one of them had reached out to me. I had gone on a teen tour with him in high school and he knew we could always stayed in touch over music because on that teen tour, we would sit on the bus and write songs together. And then like he pursued music. I was working in the industry. So we both stayed in touch and chatted every now and then. And one day he texted me or like emailed me or whatever and was like, hey, I'm working on this project. Like I'd love for you to come and listen to it. And I did not want to go. I was like, oh, like, it's cold out. It's so far. I have to go all the way to like the upper, upper east side. Like, I don't want to do this. I almost canceled. I decided to suck it up and I went and I am listened to one of their songs. I met the other one, listened to, listened to one of their songs and immediately was like, I'm in. I'm all in. Like, this is what I've been waiting to find. Okay, so you were just in on their music. You weren't like, this guy is so cute. I'm in on him. I was in on their music. Okay. And after that, you know, I started spending a lot of time with them. This to me kind of felt like my ticket out of how I was feeling held back at my job. I was like, okay, this could be where I make a difference. This could be how I'm able to actually make an impact and feel fulfilled and all of that. And so I start spending a ton of time with them, start managing them. And I remember there was one specific day where I went to the studio with them and the one that I knew like left for like an hour or two. And so it was just me and the other one sitting there for like a while. And he starts opening up about like his past dating experiences. And I'm literally at this time, like trying to like fix his hinge profile. Like, wow, this is happening. And we just start like going so deep. And it got to the point where I literally texted my best friend and I was like, I'm in trouble. Wow. And she just knew. And she was like, Alana, don't don't, don't. And I'm like, I know, I don't know what to do. And for a while, I felt like we did have this like flirtatious vibe. Like there was like, we would start to hang out on our own more, but neither of us would say anything. And I think it went on for like that for like months where like we'd be doing all of these things together and spending so much time together. And I think it became clear over time that we had feelings for each other, but we were not going to do anything. And then one night we had probably been like up until 5 a.m. just like talking And we were talking about how badly we like wanted to kiss each other and how much we knew we couldn't. And then we were like, okay, like just one. Is the we couldn't because you were their manager and like that was just not right? Yeah. I said like, what if we like tell the other one, like we have these feelings, like talk about it as a group, like figure it out. He's like, no, he would never let it happen. Like we can either work together or we can like 
explore this. Like there's no doing both. So because of that, this started this whole situationship that was a secret from the other one. Uh, so how long were you in the situationship? Our first kiss was in August. I'd say we were acting like a couple for long before like, going on like dates and literally like staying up all night talking and stuff for right. like months before then. Shit and hit the fan to a point where it ended probably like January, February. Okay. So it was like it, you not so much time lost, but a lot of feelings involved. It probably took me two or three years to like recover. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. How did it disintegrate? So over time, we're spending more and more time together. I'm sleeping over at his apartment all the time. Occasionally, the other one would come and I'd have to hide in the laundry room, like behind a door. And it was this constant argument of like, let's tell him. like, And him saying, absolutely not. He can never find out. Everyone else knew. You know, his roommate knew. The other one's girlfriend like had a feeling. All of my friends knew. And it got to the point where like, I flew halfway across the country to spend a week with his family over the holidays. Oh, my God. It wasn't just like a fling. Like we were probably having five sleepovers a week talking about our futures. Like he was my person. And all the while, it's a secret. And so as this is happening, I'm starting to go crazy because, you know, there will be nights where he's spending time with his the other one and I don't hear from him. And maybe those nights were on a Friday or Saturday. And this was the time where Instagram let us see who people were following and what posts they were liking. Yeah, miss, I miss those days. And so I'm like, well, who are these girls? Um, I, oh, I do <laughs> and I definitely fucking don't. I know, I know. So I would see that he's like following these other girls and like liking their pictures and stuff. And I'd say something to him about it. And he's like, oh, I'm just keeping up looks like or he'd say like, what am I not allowed to have friends? And it was like, well, I'm just I, you know, all of my friends like I know all of your friends like who are these girls who go to NYU? Like, And so it was a lot of me starting to question what was going on me want feeling me literally like some nights I would go to go to his apartment the other one would decide to not leave and I'd have to like stand out in the cold for like three hours like it was really really taxing and I didn't know how to like end I didn't want to end it I just wanted it to be like out there but it got to a point where I really started to think he was seeing other people and I would see like a hair on his pillow and I would be like is that my hair I don't know. So obviously you found out. And it was really scary. Yes. Yeah. Did, were your inclinations correct that he was seeing other people? Oh, that they were. <laughs> yeah. The whole time. And the only reason I found that out is because when things finally ended, this probably a month after I spent like a week with his family, things finally, like finally, finally ended. And I was like, I had to continue to go to meetings with them, go, we were, we'd be sitting at record labels and I'd have to get up from the table to go cry in the bathroom. Like we were going on road trips and sleeping in the same room together. And I'd have to pretend like I was okay when I was absolutely heartbroken and devastated and confused. And so I finally said like, look, we, I need to tell the other one, like, I need to tell him this. I can't go on like this. It's not okay. And he was like, oh, don't you dare. Like, he'll never believe you anyway. And I'm like, no, like, I'm going to. And he's like, well, too late. He knows everything. And so he basically, quote unquote, beat me to it. So a few weeks later, me and the other one go and have like a sit down on a on a bench to go talk about it. And he's like, it's okay, Alana. Like, you don't have to lie to me anymore. He told me everything. Like, I know you guys kissed a few times. It's okay. Oh, no. This guy's and an asshole. I mean... 
Julia, I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, it's okay. You don't have to lie anymore. I'm like, ask my roommates how many times I've slept home in the last six months. Yeah. Ask anyone. That is not the truth. So now there were two people who were just telling me that everything that like my reality was incorrect. Totally. And it was so, so difficult. That is for me to deal with that. Awful. And I think that the cool part now is like that you're so many years removed. Yeah. You said like two to three years it took you. So how long ago was that? Totally. This started in 2017. Okay. So now it's been five years. So it's been five years. So obviously I know you've had a lot of time to reflect and like you've definitely thought this through. I'm sure you've done the therapizing, talking to friends, all of that. Looking back, when you think about Alana five years ago, are you like, do you wonder like what made you go there with him? Like, what was it? What were the things? I get why I did it because he was telling me everything. He was telling me, you know, he had never felt so connected to someone, even his like ex-girlfriend of seven years. You know, he was talking about our plans for our future and telling me all every single thing I wanted to hear, making me feel so special. You know, even though it was a secret, it didn't matter. All that mattered was, you know, the time that we would spend when we were together. And when they were away, sometimes they would like go to somewhere like Nashville. Like anytime he could get away, he would call me. Like if the other one was in the shower, that was an opportunity for him to like call me and stuff. And so he did make me feel like I mattered. He made me feel like I was important and was like, this is everything except for this one. There's this just one thing blocking this. And I was so deep in it at that point that I didn't care. You know, I cared, but I wasn't going to stop it because of that. Yeah. You almost became like addicted in a way to... Totally. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Completely. And I also wonder, like, as you're telling the story, like, I think that there's a lot of intrigue of like how you met and like that made it exciting. And I think that we can sometimes find ourselves in situations that we just kind of stay around because we're like, well, but... I didn't meet him on an app. Like, we've worked together. Like, that's it's so exciting and thrilling. And, like, you kind of almost have to, like, compartmentalize of, like, is this thrilling or is this, like, serving me? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, it might be cool how you met, but how you met doesn't matter if you're not happy. Totally. If the rest of it isn't great. Like, nobody gives a shit how you met. Totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Okay. So you get out of that situation, but you're not really out of it. Like, you're still in it peripherally what do you do for yourself in that situation like did you date like how did how did you deal with that I ended up going to therapy for the first time in my life and here's the thing is like before this I hadn't did not have an ounce of anxiety in my body never a thought that I could possibly ever experience depression and by the time I got out of this I was a different person like There was no Alana left. So I had to kind of like build myself back up. And it was really one day at a time. And I think when I first started going to therapy, like I probably called 20 therapists and went to the first person who could take me. I think I was going three times a week, just sitting there hysterically crying and saying the guy's name like once in every like five minutes of tears. It was really tough. There was no part of me that thought about dating. Like I didn't even know how I could do that. But one situation did actually offer me like, a glimmer of hope. A friend of mine wanted to connect me with a friend of hers who she had worked with because he was thinking about getting into the music industry. And so we went and got drinks. And this was probably like a few weeks after the like big blow up. And I probably went like straight from therapy and like from crying all day. 
And me and this guy were sitting there at this bar and like having a drink and talking about stuff. And it was the first time I didn't think about him. And not only that, there was also a thought in my mind of like, oh, this guy might be cute. Like, are we flirting? Yeah. And that was huge for me in letting me know, like, Alana, you're going to be okay. There are other people out there. Yeah. And that took three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And you're and you're saying like you couldn't stop crying. You were in therapy. So I think like the lesson here is that there are those glimmers of hope as long as you trudge forward. Exactly. Like it probably took every fiber in my being to like get myself to go to those drinks. And no part of me was like, oh, I'm going to meet a boy. It was like, oh, like I'm doing my friend a favor by going to talk to her friend. But that person ended up, A, causing me a lot of pain over the years, but being a huge like person in my life and somebody that I could lean on and also somebody that I like really opened up to about it. Got it. In terms of the ex, the one that you managed, was there like a red flag that you probably could have seen at first and avoided? Or do you just think that I mean, I don't know. Like, I think you were meant to go through this because it brought you your career and all of that. But like, was there something that you could have pinpointed if someone's listening of like this stay away? I mean, many, many a thing. Yes, I will say though, like people always ask me, like, would I undo it if I could? And as much as I wish I could say yes, like, no, it completely made me who I am and brought me to this career that I love and this like purpose that I have. But yes, first of all, if anybody defines their ex as crazy, yeah, run. And listen, we all have crazy exes. Like there are a lot of crazy exes out there. Clearly, I have a quote unquote crazy ex, but I would never say to somebody, my ex is crazy. That's the phrase that I think that phrase itself is a red flag. I don't say my ex is crazy. I say like, yeah, I was in a really unhealthy relationship and here are X, Y, Z reasons why and here's how I've moved on from that. Totally. And I think when somebody just defines an ex as crazy, guess what? There are a lot of people out there that are crazy makers. Yeah. You don't want to be the next one. Yeah, totally. I love that. I think that that's like such a red flag if someone is talking shit about their ex. I mean, yeah, we have yeah. stories of like, he did this. Can you believe it? But calling someone crazy is, is a hard accusation. Yeah, I think that. And the other thing is under no circumstances should you have to be kept a secret from anyone. I understand there are situations like you work together and you're afraid HR will find out. Guess what? If you want it to work, you're going to have to go to HR and you're going to have to communicate a lot about how you're going to make it work working together and dating. And if you want to like keep it a secret from work and just keep it on the down low until you figure out if there really is something there, that's fine. But if you are being told that you have to be kept a secret and you don't feel like that's right, listen to that feeling. Like listen to your gut, trust yourself because it's not right. Yeah, because in a relationship, I feel like both partners, their needs need to be met. And your need at the time was, I need to be out in the open about this. And he wasn't even hearing it. And he wasn't even considering it. And there wasn't even like a negotiation of, okay, let's do it like in a week or, you know, none of that. Never. No. Never. Well, he sucks. So. Yes, he does. Tell me about, I know you're in a relationship now. I don't want to jump too forward. Did you, so did you like get on the apps? Did you meet people? Did you have fun? Yes, eventually I did get back on the apps. It was probably like six months later that I started to like explore that. And unfortunately, I kept running into this situation and, and a lot of therapy helped me figure this out a lot later than I wish. But I kept getting into my, the same situation where I would date people who weren't willing to commit to me. And I think it's because of this experience and it's because 
I started to believe like, well, people will date like date me and spend their time with me, but nobody is really ever going to be with me. And so I would date all of these guys who, you know, they had the same tendencies. They had the same like kind of behaviors and habits. And it just turned into the cycle of me going on a few dates with a guy, starting to catch feelings for them, bringing up a conversation of like where this is going or they would bring it up and and say, I really like you. I love spending time with you. I'm not looking for anything serious right now. Or I like you so much, but I can't be in a relationship because I have to prioritize my job and my career right now. And they would follow that up every time with, but if you're down to keep spending time together, I'm totally down for that. And every single time I said, challenge accepted. I said, okay. I only let myself hear the part that said, they like me. And I'm like, oh, they like me. Like if they keep spending time with me, they'll end up wanting to date me. Or they just don't know me well enough yet to know that they're willing to commit to me. Like I'll change their mind. I'll convince them in time. And that was never going to happen. It never did. And the way I put it, I kept breaking my own heart over and over because it was the same situation. It was the same song and dance. And I allowed myself to get hurt every time by continuing forward. Obviously, you're in therapy, as am I. And so, like, I've done a lot of soul searching, too. I always went for emotionally unavailable men for a very long time. And I think that what it said about me is that I don't value myself enough. What was it for you that you kept finding? Why were you accepting that for yourself? Do you know what the, like, deeper root is yet? Or are you still working through it? I think part of it is what you said, like I didn't value myself enough, but I think I didn't love myself enough to or respect myself enough to know the respect and love that I should be given. I think for so long, I had this mindset that getting a boyfriend would solve all of my problems. Like, I'm unhappy. If I get a boyfriend, I'll be happy. And that was just not true. And there were times where, yeah, I did get a boyfriend. And guess what? My problems weren't solved. But then I would like convince myself that they were. I would convince myself I was happy and I would put all my eggs in their basket. And so when it didn't work out and when they would break up with me, I'd be back to rock bottom again because I had just spent so much time connecting my worth to the fact that this person wanted to be with me. That is so relatable. I think that anyone listening can relate to that. And I think that it is so important, the putting all your eggs in one basket. I think some people think about it like, oh, well, I'm not putting all my eggs in one basket because I'm also going on other dates with other people. But that's not what it means. Not putting all your eggs in one basket is seeing friends, making time for yourself, what keeps you happy, seeing family, traveling, all those things. And then also seeing that person. That's the putting, not putting all your eggs in one basket. Exactly. It's like being a whole person. Yes. And then allowing somebody else to come into your life and be the cherry on top of it. As opposed to like, okay, I'm only two thirds of the pie chart because, you know, I have a good job. I have a great apartment, but I don't have my that guy. And once I have that guy, I will be whole. But guess what? You might lose that guy. Chances are it's not going to work out. Yeah. And then based on that, you're only going to be two thirds of a person again. Totally. You can't go that way. Like that's not ever going to get you into a good situation. Because look, even if you do meet a person who could be a perfect match, you're not there yet. You don't love yourself enough. You don't respect yourself enough. You don't know yourself enough because you're ultimately going to then put all of your worth with like attached to them. And I never like, you know, we always hear that phrase like you have to love yourself before you can be loved by someone else. Like I always fought that and didn't like it until I realized like, 
okay, now I do love myself. Now I get why people say that. Yeah. I mean, I fought it too. Like people, I fought that one and I fought like, you'll find someone when you're not looking. Those are the two annoying ones for sure. (laughs) But it really like is true. And you just, you can't be searching for someone to fix some part of yourself that feels empty. And I don't blame like ourselves and like, you know, everyone who thinks that because society has like conditioned us. Weddings are like a multi-billion dollar industry. Like we think that this is the ultimate checklist that we have to have. And that's just not the case. And I, I really want to dispel this for anyone listening. It's like you're not whole just because you have a partner. Exactly. And there's no better feeling than taking the time to learn who you are, to feel comfortable on your own, because then you know that if it doesn't work out, you're going to be okay. Yes. And for so long, I did not think that. Yeah. And that, did you learn that in therapy? No, I, th- I honestly think like for me, the, the podcast has been therapy. I've talked to so many people who have been through similar situations. I've talked to so many experts. I've talked to so many, you know, my listeners. And I think I've learned the most through this and, and through all of the hindsight that I've had and the time I've spent reflecting. Awesome. So you you reflected, you became whole, you started taking time for Alana. I imagine that when you weren't expecting it, when you were least expecting it, you met your now partner. It wasn't necessarily that. Okay. <laughs> I'd love to say it. Like I was actively like on dating apps. I was actively dating. At the time I had actually gone on like a, a date or two with this other guy who I was obsessing over. And I ended up going on a date with Jake and we had matched on Hinge in January of 2021. And he messaged me and I didn't answer. And then he, 10 days later, he messaged me again and said, hey, figured I'd try this again. I saw his original message. It was about also loving the Jonas Brothers because I had something about that in my Hinge profile. And I was like, wow, I don't know why I didn't answer this. Glad I tried again. I couldn't go on a date with him immediately because it was deep COVID. And I was still seeing like going back and forth to see my parents. So I was like, this sounds fake, but I can't really see you for like six weeks. I'll let you know when I can. We planned a date. It was 20 degrees. We sat outside. We spent most of the time talking about how cold we were. And I was probably, I probably went to the bathroom to check if that other guy had texted me because I was, again, obsessing over this other guy. And date was fine. Didn't kiss goodnight. After the date, I was like, okay, like, he was really cute. He was nice. Like, am I dying to see him again? No. Would I? Yeah. He texted me and he said, I had a great time and I'd love to see you again. And that was when something like a flip switched for me because he didn't even give me the opportunity to be anxious over, well, does he want to see me again? And that is why I was obsessing over guy number one. So we ended up going on a second date. And the second date was a lot better. Had a great time. And right after he texted me and he said, I know you're going home for a week and then going away for two weeks, but I'd love to talk while you're gone and see you when you're back. And again, did not give me the opportunity to be anxious or overthink or start to spiral as I would normally do. And It just continued like this. And it was this open communication. It was me feeling really comfortable knowing exactly where I was at, not having to make assumptions. And that's really like what stood out to me and I think allowed me to be myself in this situation and progress with it. Yeah. It was a slow burn with Jake, but like he stayed steady. Yeah. There's something about feeling safe in a relationship to be yourself. I think that that's one of my non-negotiables moving forward from all the dating experience I have. If someone's not accepting me as I am, I'm out. 100%. Well, I'm so happy that you found a loving relationship and that you've kind of grounded yourself and figured it out. But 
On the other side, in the less romantic side, I want to talk about your professional love life because you also had a pretty dramatic breakup there, too. So, oh, I did. <laughs> first of all, what are your thoughts about the apps after working at Hinge? I'm just curious about that. I think there are so many people out there who hate dating apps and think that like dating apps are just like evil and set them up for to fail. It's like, listen, no dating app founder founded a dating app to make your life worse or to right. make dating harder for you. I think, you know, when I I had an amazing experience at Hinge until I didn't and from what I can say, like the app does work for so many people. It is what you make it. If you're not going to put an effort to your profile, if you're not going to put an effort to the conversations you're having, if you're not going to put an effort to, you know, making it out on dates, you're not going to have a good experience. That's not to say it's a guarantee that you will mm -hmm. if you do all of those things, but it makes your small world smaller. And I think that not every app is going to be for everyone. I always say, try a bunch out and see what works for you. And... Yeah, I think they're a blessing and a curse. I agree. At the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, I mean, I think to your point, I think they do take, they require effort. You can't just half-ass it because what you put in is what you're going to get out. And I do think dating is a numbers game in general. So the apps are as well. But I mean, I think that it's a nice way to like meet people you wouldn't have met. But it's not necessarily the means to an end. You know, you just, maybe, you never know. People put so much weight on it. I'm so glad you said that. Everyone's like, I feel like we all have this mindset, like, because dating apps exist, bars don't anymore. Parties don't exist anymore. Speed dating doesn't ex exist anymore. And it's like, dating apps are so, so brand spanking new in the span of human history. And the way our parents met, the way our grandparents met, and our great-grandparents met, all of those ways still exist. But people feel like, because dating apps exist, you can't approach someone in a bar anymore. You can't have a friend set you up. Like, no. These are all things that you can still do and actively should be doing if you are hoping to meet somebody. Yeah. So don't put, like we said, like with all your eggs in someone's basket, don't put all of your eggs in the dating app basket either. Yeah. The theme of this episode is don't put all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So you join Hinge. What was your role at Hinge? So my title when I started was video and content producer. So I was running the social media. I was creating these weekly segments that were video content for the Instagram feed, for Instagram stories, and really like being the person behind all of their social media platforms who like, instead of it just being a, a company or an app or a brand, like people knew when they wrote in, like they were talking to me. Cool. And did you stay doing that? Or I think I think I read that you became like the social basically producer, like for all of social. Yeah. So by the time I left, my title was lead content creator and I was producing other like segments for other people. I was working on different partnerships. Like there was pretty much like every aspect of social media though and and hinge I was doing. I also I started a podcast for them called Dating Sucks. And so there was a lot that went on. So how did it end? Like, so I know you still have the podcast. Like, how did the breakup initiate with Hinge? So I would say for my first, I was there for like 26 months, I think. So a little over two years. Okay. My first year was incredible. The first six months of, of my second year there, that's when I started the podcast, found this thing that I absolutely love to do, like felt like it was my calling. And as this was happening, you know, Hinge was acquired by Match Group. I mean, they were acquired a long time before this, but there were starting to be like actual changes made. And so they were growing a lot. There were a lot of new people coming in above me. And there were a lot of new like processes that came into play and things needed significantly more approvals than they did before. And, you know, it was like when I first started, it was you're here, go do. 
It was go be creative, go explore ideas and have fun with it and throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. And that's an environment that I really thrive in. And there was a big turning point during the pandemic where somebody came in and literally, instead of doing my job, I was having to fight to do my work every day. I was being told like, no, you can't go do that. Instead, you need to make a 40 slide deck about why you've been doing that. And I'm like, what? And that's really what it became. You know, I was getting shut down anytime I wanted to actually do anything literally do my job. And this was also like really impacting my mental health because I suddenly felt like I wasn't good enough to do the thing that I had been doing and that I had been cheered on. Like, why am I suddenly getting shut down all the time? Why do I have to fight to do my job? Why do I have to prove myself every single day? And so I probably spent my last four months like almost every single day crying. And I give my parents so much credit because I was living at home with them during that time. And they were the ones who had to deal with me talking about this and and venting and bitching about it at the dinner table every night. (laughs) And I got to a point where I wanted to leave so badly. I had found this thing I love to do. I was jumping through a thousand hoops to try and get another season of it approved. It was taking six months when all the while I could have been doing episodes every week, you know, and, and it wouldn't have taken away from anything else I was doing. And I really was unhappy. But at the same time, I had made working at Hinge my identity. Like, it was part of me. Literally for a year, my Instagram handle was Alana from Hinge. That's what people knew me as. People would see me on the street and be like, oh my God, you're Alana from Hinge. And I didn't know where else I could go to, you know, have a dating podcast, create dating content. I thought maybe I could pitch myself to Betches or Barstool, but at the same time, I had zero confidence. There was no world in which I could get myself to do that because I was kind of being told in a way, like, I'm not good enough every day. And so I felt really stuck. I felt really trapped. And everything was just like grim and dark. At the same time, I thought I had the world's most job security because I was Alana from Hinge. Yeah. And it was very, probably the world's biggest surprise when I got a meeting thrown on my calendar at 9 a.m. one morning. And I instantly knew. I don't know why, because before this day, I would never have imagined. I saw this meeting. It wasn't even with HR. It was with my boss. And I texted my like coworker group chat and I was like, you guys, I think I'm getting fired. And they're like, Alana, there's no way on the planet that's happening. I'm like, no, I really think so. And I get on this Zoom call with my boss and I don't even let him say hi. I go, am I getting fired right now? Ugh. And he like took a deep breath and he was like, not fired, but we are letting you go. And I was like, holy shit. I cried a lot. Yeah. I was so in shock, but they actually just decided to shut down social media. So they let go of me and the content director and... That was it. There has not been a single thing posted on any of their socials in years. They wiped everything. And it's like two years of work that I did completely gone overnight. But I felt free. As this phone call was happening, I felt a million pound weight lift off my shoulders because I knew I did not have the balls to break up with Hinge. I needed them to break up with me. Totally. Oh, my God. That gives me the chills. That is wild. I guess I feel like ego can't really come into play when you hop on Hinge's social channels and see nothing. It's like a blank. It's crazy. It's crazy. We'll talk after. (laughs) (laughs) Do I know the people making these decisions? Probably. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Got it. Well, that yeah, is- I spent I spent a lot of time 
figuring out what I like, what I should and what I shouldn't say. And, you know, I even asked because like, obviously they knew I, I was a presence and people were going like there was going to be an announcement made. Yeah. It was your launching pad and like you're grateful to it because it taught you yes. what you want. So, I mean, obviously, I feel like any millennial can relate. You know, they there's there's so many cushy jobs where like this is a paycheck. You know, this is really steady. This is great. Like my benefits are great. Um, obviously, it gave you a kind of starting pad and launching point and everyone knew you as Alana from Hinge. What do you do at that point? Like, do you launch your own business right? Well, what do you like? How did you handle? So I had a co-host uh, when I did Dating Sucks. His name was Jonah. Was Jonah, still is Jonah. As I'm in the Zoom call with my boss and the head of HR who entered out of shortly after, I text Jonah saying, I just lost my job. Let's start a podcast. I instantly knew. I was like, this was meant to happen. I know what I want to do. And I just made a decision right then and there for myself. Like, I'm not applying to jobs. I'm not going to go work at another company. I am going to start this podcast and I'll freelance to pay the bills, but I'm going to make this work. And, you know, I think I had this idea in the back of my head, like, oh, I'll give myself like six months to you know, see if I can do it. And I never like, I never checked in on a six month mark. It was just like happening. You, yeah. Yeah. So we're actually, we're coming anniversary, November 18th, I think uh, was the day it happened. And I released the first episode of seeing other people on, I believe January 2nd, 2021. I spent the six weeks in between in an adult coloring book that was curse words, coloring out all of my feelings. That is what I did. And that. it was the greatest thing ever. And I highly recommend for anyone going through any transition, breakup, job loss, It please do, do yourself a favor. Adult coloring books, curse word ones. I love that. It sounds like you were kind of therapizing yourself with coloring. But I will say that you, Alana believed in Alana at this point. Like this is this is where you really like stepped into your own because when we were talking about the breakup, you know, you went to another guy, was obsessing, like weren't sure of your value, but Hinge breaks up with you and you're like, I know my value, which is amazing. And like, I don't know if that's a symptom of growing up and getting older and getting wiser or I don't know what it is, but I, I feel like the older I get, the more I believe in myself as well. Yeah, I think it's just life experience. We learn that, you know, we'll fall down 10 times. But every single one of those 10 times, we will get back up. Sometimes it'll be harder than others. But we also, you know, give ourselves the opportunity to create a support system around us to figure out what makes us happy, what fulfills us. And I think between all of those things and, you know, I, I was single. I was completely single. Could not have been more single at the time when I did this. And I didn't care. I just knew I was like, this is what matters to me right now. And what I care about so much. And this is my baby. And I don't care if people are going to judge me for it. I don't care if it fails. I just want to do it. And I feel like having that mindset is a huge part of why it worked. And probably a huge part of why I met Jake shortly after. Yeah. First week of January 2021, seeing other people came out and Jake and I matched on Hinge. <laughs> yeah. I think the lesson there is like stop caring go after for what you want, believe that you will achieve what you want. And then the rest is like history, you know? Yeah. And trust me, it wasn't easy. Like, yeah. by no means yeah. was it easy. And there was there were a lot of ups and downs with launching. There were a lot of ups and downs with 
freelancing on the side. Some of the people I worked with, again, like ended up crying every day. But I just took all of those experiences as learning opportunities. And I just kind of think they're like building blocks on each other. And all like we're always going to make mistakes. There was definitely things in the last two years that I completely regret would do completely differently. But I don't get mad at myself for it. I don't blame myself like, oh, well, you're not where you wanted to be because of it. Or you didn't make as much money as you wanted because of that. Like, you know, I I support myself. Instead, I'm saying, okay, that happened. What can we learn from it? And I yeah. think that's really, really important. Yeah. I love that. I love that perspective. And I think that, you know, I I made this podcast because I wanted people to know that there's like happiness and opportunity and life on the other side of a breakup. And like, it's not like the end of life at all. It's it, I feel like new beginnings bring new opportunities. And so you've had two. <laughs> and look at you now. You're thriving, doing what you want to be doing, working for yourself, supporting yourself, and with a partner who makes you feel loved and secured. So I love that. I want to do a fun little um, rapid fire segment with you. And you don't have to be rapid if you don't want to. I'm <laughs> I'm very bad at being rapid, but I will try my very best. I'm very bad at being rapid, too. And I might even interject at some points, but it's the intention it. is to be rapid. What did you tell yourself? What were you telling yourself that got you through the breakup? Just keep watching Breaking Bad. <laughs> that's that's literally that was one of my my things. I love that. Honestly, maybe that's it. Or do you have another one? And I think going back to what you said about new beginnings, like, yes, a breakup is an end of something, but it means there's a world of opportunity out there. And there's something really beautiful about that. I love that. What's one piece of advice you would give to 20-year-old Alana? If you don't ask, you don't get. I like that. I, I don't know if you watch the Kardashians, but Kris Jenner says that, like, if you hear a no, then you're asking the wrong people. I feel like that's in the similar vein. I love vein. that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. What is the best part about being single? Dating, which is crazy for me to say, but you guys, it should be fun. And it can be so fun. Like you're just going to places and meeting people and learning about people and learning about yourself through it. Like it carries this negative connotation and this huge weight but I think we're just approaching it in the wrong way. And I had so much fun dating, but it was masked by all of the anxiety. And I wish I could just go back in time and, you know, remind myself, like, it's all going to work out. And yes, I'm saying that now when it like has worked out. But even before that, like, just have fun with it. Enjoy it. You will never probably have this opportunity again. And it's just take advantage of it. The quote might be, it's all going to work out. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> There you Best go. part about being in a relationship. Oh, I think just like having this person who is like your best friend and your source of comfort and the person you're trying new things with and, and laughing with and growing with, like all bundled into one. Love that. This is this one is one moment where you were really happy, your safe place. It can be like a safe if it can be a place, a country, a city, a song, a movie. Like what's your safe place? Jonas Brothers concert. And I just went to three of them. It was a it was a. 72 hours of safety, let me tell you. Love that. I love that. If you could have one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Chicken noodle soup. Really? Yep. Wow. Interesting. Okay. I, I would have it right now for every <laughs> single meal. I, like, I, I am such a soup girl, and I don't care if it's 90 degrees out. I will go into an air-conditioned room and have soup and just be so happy and feel really comforted. Love that. Cats or dogs? Woof. 
Me too. Celebrity crush. Nick Jonas. Yeah. I had a thing for him too. What is the best place to meet single people? Anywhere where you're not looking at your phone. Mm, that's good. Best city in the world. New York. Yeah. I figured you'd say that. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we are pretty much done. Alana, this was a pleasure. You are a token example of someone who has really gone through it and gone to the better side of things. I am rooting for you. Tell everyone where they can find you and your podcasts and all, all that stuff. First of all, thank you so much for having me. This has been so amazing. I can be found at seeing other people on Instagram or at Ilana Dunn on TikTok. That's I-L-A-N-A-D-U-N-N. And you can listen to seeing other people wherever you listen to podcasts. Great. Amazing. Well, amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Pretty Much Done. If you want more information about this episode, you can check our show notes. Go like, subscribe, and leave a review because it helps us grow the pod. Love you. Thank you. Sorry, did I just love bomb you? I'm not toxic. You are. Okay, bye.